opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. and welcome to Main Menu for the 29th of April, 2016. I am your co-host, Jason Castingway. I hope all of you have had a great week. We're going to start out today speaking with Matt King, Accessibility Specialist and Engineer at Facebook, and he will be telling us all about the new automatic alternative text feature. At the time of the interview, this feature was only available on iOS, but we just received an update a couple of days ago, and it is being released on Facebook for Android version 74 and higher this week. It must have been a really nice day in California when we did the interview. Uh, Windows must have been open or birds were singing extra loud because there was some bird song we picked up in the recording and there was no way to edit it out without ruining what Matt was saying. And so we apologize in advance for the extraneous bird song. Next, we're going to hear from Mary Emerson, who tells us about and demonstrates the B2G note-taker, which runs on Android. It is available from National Braille Press. She apologizes in advance for the popping peas in the recording. Last, we're going to hear from Janine Stanley, as she tells us about Directions For Me, a wonderful service that I have used several times to get directions from product packaging. Enjoy the show, everyone. I'll see you at the end. This is Janine Stanley for Main Menu, and today on Main Menu, we have our group of interviewers, and we're going to be talking all about Facebook with Matt King, who is an engineer in the accessibility group for Facebook. I'm joined today by Jason Castingway. Hey there. Hi, Jason. And Jeff Bishop. Hello. And I think we'll get started with Jeff. All right. Thanks very, very much. Hello, Matt. Welcome to Main Menu, and... Can you start by telling us a little bit about how the accessibility team started at Facebook? Sure, I can do that. It started quite a long time before I joined Facebook because I'm brand new to the team. I started in June of last year, so it would be June 29th of 2015. But uh, my manager, Jeff, started the team all the way back in 2000. 11 and Jeff was working as a researcher and responsible for end user research and understanding what people liked and didn't like about Facebook as they were using it and he was starting to get feedback from members of the blind community as well as other people with disabilities and they were telling him the experience wasn't as good as what they would like it to be so he started to understand that maybe this was a space where Facebook needed to put more effort into and made a proposal to the engineering team and got the team started. Again, that was back in 2011. That's great. I know there's been quite a bit of work going on both on the mobile side of the Facebook website and the main site, as well as the mobile applications. So can you tell us a little bit about the changes that we've seen on the websites for Facebook? Yeah, the websites, of course, were in existence long before there was an accessibility team. And they are, of course, also much more complex, both in terms of their user interface and their size. 
So there's a lot of legacy code in uh, in the websites that we're still working on improving. But um, over the years, there have been huge improvements, obviously, since 2011. And we're just getting started on the basics. And now most of what you can find on www.facebook.com is, is at least usable with a screen reader. The mobile sites, on the other hand, uh, well, especially the mobile applications, I should say, are apps that were all started, their development actually started in 2012, I believe. And uh, so they were developed from the ground up with accessibility in mind. And I think that's why you will find that the um, experience in mobile is a lot more consistent than it is on the web. Now, one of the neat things that you guys have done is to add some features that are specific to screen readers to help users use the Facebook keyboard commands that are available on the website. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, so one of the challenges with the whole keyboard interface experience on the web is there are not yet a lot of conventions or standards in that space. Long term, I think we're going to see a lot more movement towards applications on the web that feel a lot more like desktop applications. And we're sort of in this strange middle period right now where people expect it to work like a browser, but we actually have rich graphical user interface elements on on the web. So um, right now, what we have and have had actually for a long time for navigating the newsfeed are single letter keys like J for jumping to the next story or K to the previous story, L for liking a post, P for making a post, C for commenting on a post, and so forth. But obviously, if you're using a screen reader and you're in its browse mode or a screen reader like JAWS with its virtual cursor mode, uh, when you press those keys, you're going to be doing whatever the J quick key does in that screen reader, uh, which wouldn't be jumping to the next story on Facebook. There's a few ways around that. One is you can disable your virtual cursor or your browse mode, right? Or the other way is you can use a feature that's now built into at least Windowize and JAWS where there's web application reserve keystrokes, they're called, and um, that will allow you to jump to the next story with J, even if the virtual cursor is active. So that's a feature that some people might like to take advantage of. That's great. Well, so I'm sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. I was just going to ask if those same commands work on the Mac platform. If you are looking at the site through Safari or yes. Chrome, one of the other browsers. Right. So they work on all browsers. It's just a matter of how you go about using them. So on a Mac, you would just disable Quick Nav mode and J and K work. Now, there is... Something strange going on in El Capitan with the way it works in Safari right now that we're not sure what the best way to get things speaking the way we would like when you jump from story to story. It works. Uh, I'm trying to remember which one works better, Safari or Chrome. It's easy enough to try both and see which works better for you. I personally find navigating by heading pretty nice on both Safari and Chrome in the Mac. And um, I will often do that instead. And if I'm in Windows, I typically prefer to manually disable the virtual cursor or the browse mode in, in VDA and do it that way because I also still like to have access to those other functions. 
Yeah, that's what I do too. That sounds like my workflow as well. So we've had a lot of really exciting announcements happening around on our ACB email lists all about this brand new feature from Facebook, the automatic alternative text feature that I think is only available in the iOS app today, right? That is correct. For a short little while longer, it's iOS only. Okay. So can you tell us about this technology? And I've seen it on my own timeline, so I know it's out there in the wild and it's really exciting. Yes, I look at this. This, to me, is the beginning of a new area for access to information for people who are blind. You know, for the longest time, we've used OCR to access print information. And I look at this as the same kind of idea. This is OCR for the rest of the world, but instead of characters, it's just any general object. And uh, some of you might remember what OCR was like back in the 1980s, where you couldn't have a wrinkle in the page or a sp- oh, yeah. or the font <laughs> had to be just perfect. And, you know, the scanner had, you know, the book had to be totally flat because you couldn't deal with the curvature. But we've gotten over all those problems for OCR. And now we're kind of in the 1980s of, uh, you know, object recognition, if you will. We're just getting started so when things are just right, um, we get really great feedback and we're able to give you um, really nice information about an image. And so this is not always going to meet everybody's dreams uh, at this point in time in terms of access to pictures, but sometimes it works extremely well and allows you to you know, really understand a story. Again, this is just a first step down an exciting new path that I think is going to move very rapidly. So this is only for pictures then, right? So video would not work in this case. That's right. It's object recognition in pictures today, but you should know that um, the same kind of technology to be able to describe and caption videos is also being worked on by research teams. So that is definitely on the horizon. I don't know how far out it is, but we're ready to bring it in whenever the research team has something for us. Okay. And will it come to other platforms in the future? Uh, Yes, in the near future. So next up is Android, and then soon after that will be WWW. And uh, then it will also be expanding out to other products as well. So currently it's not in Instagram. That will come someday. It's not in Messenger. That will come someday. I don't have dates for any of these things right now, but they won't be a long way off, you know, not years. Wow. Instagram, that would be really intriguing. You know, a lot of families use Instagram and share photos even more so than sometimes Facebook itself. So that would open up a really interesting accessible experience for users. Yeah, it would. There's still quite a number of problems with the Instagram app itself when it comes Mm -hmm. to accessibility. And so, you know, we're trying to work on resolving some of that as well. I have no idea what the timetables are for that. Sure. Now, will this be also for the main site as well as the mobile site if you're browsing, you know, m.facebook.com, for example? Yeah, we'll do them both at the same time. Okay. Well, that's excellent. Very, now, very exciting. Now, does this technology learn as it goes? Will we see it changing as it evolves and actually watch it learn? Because it, it seems to me that it's actually doing a much better job of recognizing more things than it did even the first day that it came out. Maybe that's my imagination. We're actually pretty tightly controlling 
the changes in recognition capabilities as we go because we want to make sure that um, there is a high level of trust in the system. And we don't want people to start ignoring the automatic alt text because they got burned by it in some way. So we have a relatively short list of concepts that it will recognize and communicate at this point in time. The AI behind it can do a lot more, but we're bringing it on slowly to make sure that we are understanding how well that it's working and understanding the feedback that we're getting and so forth. Well, that's really fantastic. It's exciting to to see this technology really branching out. And it really adds a, a new level of enjoyment in Facebook for users that we've been missing for quite some time. Absolutely. Well, now, we've had a couple of questions from users of Facebook. And I don't know if you might know the answer to this, Matt, or not, but we thought we would throw it out there. And it's not necessarily uh, an accessibility-related question, but it seems to be something that's very commonly asked, and that is about the news feed and the ordering of the news feed. Do you know if there is a plan or a way within Facebook to get a more sequential newest to oldest or oldest to newest type of feed within Facebook on the main news feed? So um, if you're using the desktop version of Facebook, you have the option to present it in reverse chronological order, if you would like. Um, that option has been there. It's not very much used. In the screen reader reading order, it's a real close. I'm trying to remember, there's the account and privacy button, and then uh, it's before you get to the a navigation region that corresponds to the left-hand sidebar that has things like favorites and so forth. Sure. It's right in that neighborhood. Um, okay. Uh, what about the mobile apps? I don't know if it's available on the mobile apps or not, but I will say that Facebook has, as a default, abandoned the purely time-based algorithm because, well, there are a lot of reasons for it, and I'm a, sure. not an expert in this particular right. space. Uh, but overall, the idea is to make sure that um, people see the things that they're most interested in and that they do not miss things, you know, essentially because they were out of order in time. You know, sometimes you'll look at your feed for a few minutes and then you'll put it down and come back. Yeah. Stuff after that that you didn't see, and then you come back a little bit later. And you'll see this. There's new stuff to see at the beginning, but then you may not want to see all the stuff that you already saw just a few minutes ago. So it may surf up stuff that you haven't seen yet before it ever comes back to things that you just saw, uh, you know, maybe an hour ago. Absolutely. So, Matt, where do you see things going in the future on the accessibility front for Facebook? Well, when it comes to the basics of you know making the site more accessible. Uh, there are a lot of things that I'm working on tackling uh, that are sort of inherently problematic in the platform today. Anything that's related to infinite scroll, and there's a lot of places where you can get into infinite scroll on Facebook, can be really challenging from a keyboard aspect. And so I'm working on some new features in the ARIA 1.1 specification 
that will hopefully you know be available for us to start developing on end of the year, maybe sometime early next year, that can help us deal with those kind of situations. Um, we already have some components in the work right now to um, to deal with that when it, the infinite scroll is in the context of a dialogue or something like that, like notification. Mm-hmm. Notifications dialog, for example, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but you start tabbing through the notifications dialog, you will never get to the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen that in other dialogues as well. Yeah, so we're working on implementing an ARIA grid component in there. So we have a lot of things that are related to really fundamental foundational accessibility that we're working on mm-hmm. improving um, across the board, and they're feels like an infinite supply of that kind of work <laughs> you know well, that's all right <laughs> making improvements right uh, yeah exactly and and i think a lot of this work that that you have to do you're sort of stuck by web standards needing to catch up to the foundational things that you need yeah uh, yes and so that's one of the reasons why i came on to the team is because that is one of my areas of focus i'm an editor on the aria uh, standard and i'm also leading the effort along with James Nerthen from Oracle on the practices guide for ARIA, which essentially helps developers understand how to use ARIA. And we're doing a lot of uh, things like uh, developing reference implementations of elements and so forth. On the more, ex- I don't know if you want to call it more exciting because everything's exciting to me, but <laughs> the, new, the new horizons front of like automatic alt text. Uh, we have all kinds of exciting ideas popping up within the team. Also, getting uh, feedback from users has have uh, provided us with some new ideas. So there's concepts that we would really like to be able to surface that we're not surfacing yet. You know, people are asking about you know things like eye color, hair color, dress, and one of the most exciting ones to me uh, that I don't know how long it's going to take but is being able to say who is in the picture. And, of course, we would only be saying who of your friends are in the picture. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, We don't want to give information that you wouldn't have if you could see, right? Right. But we want to give you the information that you would have if you could see, and you would know who your friends are and whether or not they're in the picture. You would also be able to recognize public figures, so we'd like to be able to surface that as well. So those are things that we can do technically today, but we need to negotiate how it should be done in a way that respects privacy, meets privacy standards, both the privacy standards that are already in place as well as those that privacy advocates anticipate. So those, those are some pretty significant her, I don't know, I guess I could call them hurdles, but they're um, things that we have to understand before we can write the code and get it out there. Absolutely. Well, Matt, it really uh, is great to see the commitment of accessibility by Facebook. And I know, at least speaking for myself and the rest of the main menu team, I'm really excited about where the future is heading for Facebook. If our listeners have any feedback or questions or want to learn more about the work going on by your team, how can they find that information? So to learn about what we're doing, we post regular updates on facebook.com slash accessibility. You can also uh, use the contact us function there. You can also find it if you go to facebook.com slash help 
slash accessibility where you will also find articles about how to use specific Facebook features with screen readers or screen magnifiers or how to upload a caption file for a video and that kind of stuff. And their contact form, there is a question within that FAQ that asks, you know, how do you provide feedback? And there's a direct link to the contact form there as well. Great. That would be all true right. for all of your apps, the uh, mobile apps. I know I just started using a few of the uh, companion apps for Facebook, the pages, the groups, and they are wonderful. Um, but, you know, there's input to be given on those. So I assume that this would count for all of your apps. Yes, you can provide feedback on any of them through those forms. And in fact, well, there are some questions that will ask you which screen reader you're using and which platform and things like that. So we really like getting feedback. And you can provide feedback directly on the accessibility page as well, commenting on a post or something like that. But if it's really something uh, that you want to report that isn't working then the feedback form is really the best way. But any way that you want to let us know what you do like, uh, that is always appreciated. The more feedback we get, the better. It helps us know uh, what we're doing well and what we're not doing so well. Matt, thanks again for joining us here on Main Menu. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm very happy to um, have this opportunity to share the exciting news and to say that the future is bright for accessibility on Facebook. Just a couple of days ago on the 26th, we received an update from our contact at Facebook, and she lets us know that they are rolling out automatic alternative text this week on Facebook for Android version 74 and higher. She writes, We are excited to bring this new technology to the Android platform and will continue to improve the accessibility of Facebook's products across all platforms. She includes a nice bio on Matt King, which reads as follows. Matt King joined Facebook's accessibility engineering team in June 2015 as an accessibility specialist after 25 years at IBM, where he most recently served as global technical leader of IT accessibility for the IBM workplace. In addition to working on Facebook product accessibility, Matt helps drive industry standards for accessibility forward as a W3C editor and ARIA Authoring Practices Task Force Chair. Matt initially joined IBM as an engineer after studying electrical engineering and music at the University of Notre Dame and, in the mid-90s, transformed his part-time avocation of contributing to development of screen reading technologies and helping other blind employees overcome accessibility challenges into his profession. As a three-time Paralympian with a world record in tandem track cycling, Matt is passionate about sharing his message that disability is not a reason for expecting less from life or from one another with people worldwide. Hi, this is Mary Emerson, and I'm here to talk about the B2G, which is a product from National Braille Press. It's a Braille display and a Perkins keyboard, and it runs Android and has a lot of interesting features. I am going to, first of all, talk about the outside of the unit so that you can get an idea of what it's like. Going around the edges, starting from the upper left, there is a micro USB port for plugging it into a PC or a wall charger to charge the battery. 
And then in the middle, between the left and right corners, there is a standard SD card slot. Continuing around to the right side, there is a slide switch, which turns the device on if you slide it up and turns the device off when you slide it down. Going toward the bottom, towards the lower right corner, there are two buttons. The top one is volume up and the lower button underneath it is volume down. Continuing around to the front of the device on the lower right corner of the edge and the lower left corner, there are two speakers. These are stereo speakers. In the middle is a stereo microphone. It's a tiny hole near the bottom of the front edge and it's a very, very tiny hole. You can hardly find it. Going around to the left edge from lower left to upper left, we have a combination earphone and microphone jack. Above that is an RCA jack for a monitor. And above that is a standard USB port. On the bottom edge, all around, there are rubber pads. There are six pads, two of them in the middle on the middle upper edge farthest from you and the middle edge that's closest to you. There is a cover that can be removed which uncovers a SIM card slot. There's a camera also on the bottom edge, also on the bottom of the device. Near one of the rubber pads, the one that's closest to where the on and off button is, there is a very, very small reset button. You have to use something like an unbent paper clip to poke it if you want to reset the device. On the top, starting at the top, there's an eight key Perkins keyboard. And between the keys for dot one and dot four, there is a keypad that is a square and each side of the square represents a direction that you can go up, down, right, or left. In the middle is a dome-shaped button, which can be used as an enter key. In some applications, it's the only thing that you can use for enter. You cannot use dot eight as an enter key in some applications. Below the keyboard, there's a space bar. Below that, 20 routing buttons, one for each cell of the display. To the left of the routing buttons is the backwards pan button. It's a square button. And to the right of the rightmost routing button is the forward panning button. You can reverse these if you want to read a book with your right hand and pan forward with your left hand so that the left pan button will pan forward and the right pan button will pan backward and that's something you can do to make it easier to read if you choose to do that. Below the routing buttons and lined up with button 5, 10, and 15 are three dots which help you to locate your position on the display or the position on the routing buttons and below that is the 20 cell braille display. This device is about seven inches long, about four inches wide, and a little over an inch from 
front to back. The back being the part that sits on the table or your lap or wherever. Now to show you a bit of how this thing works, I'm going to start by turning it on and I'm going to boot it up. Usually you can set this up so that when you turn it off it just goes to sleep and when you turn it on it just comes right back to where you were but I like to totally power things down when I turn them off so that's what I tend to do so when I turn this thing on you're gonna hear a beep and then there's gonna be a time where nothing really happens and then the word starting is gonna pop up on the braille display in grade one braille and then it will go away and then some other things will happen and you'll start to hear not only the voice of the speech, but also I'll be telling you about the battery charge and the percentage of the charge that's in the battery right now, because that's briefly displayed before we see the home screen. So I'm turning it on and nothing is happening right now. The screen hasn't come to life yet. And what I call the screen is a braille display. Now it says starting on the braille display and that has disappeared. In a while we're going to hear the speech and it will say home screen 3 but the battery will display first, battery information. Battery 86%. Okay now we're on the home screen and I'm going to use the tab key combination which is space plus dots 4 and 5 to tab around the home screen. First is search. Chrome is the browser that's in this device. National Braille Press has its own editor for this device. I haven't learned to use it yet, but I do have it. It came with a device. Apps. That's a way to get a list of all the applications that are on this Braille device. People. That's contacts. I haven't learned to use that yet either. That is the File Explorer application that is used to navigate around files and folders. Settings. Settings. We're going to get in there in a minute, and I'm going to keep tabbing. Calendar. Calendar. Voice search. Voice search. I think that's a Google thing. Search. And we're back to search. Now I'm going to go back to settings. Okay, I'm going to check to see if I'm online because this morning I set up my Wi-Fi. In order to do that, I'm going to press the middle button in the square pad, direction pad, or whatever you call it. Wi-Fi. First thing is Wi-Fi, and I'm going to press enter on that. Okay, it says navigate up. I'm going to use space plus dot four to navigate down. Okay, that's the name of my Wi-Fi, SSID, is what I'm trying to think of here. Okay, and I'm going to press enter on that. Okay, we're going to see the status. It said connected, and let's see if it really is. I'm using the right pen key to look at it. It says connected. Signal strength. It better be fair to good. It says good. It should be better, but it works fine. Okay, so I know that I'm connected, so I'm going to do a space plus a Z to get out of here. And hopefully that will work. Sometimes it does, sometimes it won't. And it worked, so do it again. And do it again. 
No, I won't. I think I'll go down and show you some of the other things within settings. So I'm going to use space plus dot four. That's Bluetooth. And that's more. It shows you things like a VPN and all that. That's Ethernet proxy. I'm not going to bother with that. Sound. These are all Google stuff. I'll show you in a minute how you can do B2G settings. Storage, Storage memory and all that. Battery. battery, that tells you about the battery. Cats. Applications, that tells you what's running. And I think that's about it. Oh, no, it isn't. Location access, that's if you want to do GPS. Security. There are, from what I understand, about 60 languages that can be accessed with this device. Backup and reset. Backup and reset. If you want to back up your settings, you don't have to go through and set them all over again. And I think that's it. I thought there was a clock and date and time and stuff in here. Account. Well, that says add account. Time. There it is, date and time. Okay, I think my clock is correct. I'll check that in a minute. Accessibility. Accessibility, that's mostly fonts and sizes of stuff, and it's not really specifically for this device. It's more Android. Developer Developer options, that's for people who are doing maintenance on the device and fixing things. About the tablet, that gives the serial number and some other stuff. So I am going to get out of here and see if I can do a space plus Z to get out. If not, then I'll just have to do a space plus dots one, two, three, four, five, six to get back to the home screen. But I'm going to see if space plus Z will work. Okay, that says settings. And I think I'm back on the home screen. Let me do a left tab, which is space plus one, two, to see where I am. Yep, we're back on the home screen. Okay, now I'm going to do a space plus O to get into the settings that are specific to this device. And you can save settings if you want to, to make sure you have a backup copy of them. I haven't done that yet. Long press. There are different things that happen if you hold a key combination down for longer than, uh, I guess, two seconds. It's sort of an alternate to the usual way of pressing these keys. Reverse panning. Reverse panning. That's what I was talking about earlier. So if you want to read with your right hand and you want to move forward with your left hand, you can change the left panning button to make sure that it moves to the next panning place to the right. So that way you can read through a book and it works out very well for some people. Okay, I'm doing a space plus dot four again. One hand, some people only have one hand to use. And so this is what this does, it turns that on. Typing. There are two modes of typing. One is just regular typing. The other one is if you want to type just regular Braille cells, like Braille music or Braille math, and you don't want it to be translated to any type of ASCII text or anything. And then we have the highlighting. We have bold, italic. italic. These can be turned on or off. Strike, underline. underline. Then we have literary braille, and there are some things you can do with that. 
such as changing the type of braille that you're looking at, grade 1 and 2 UEB. UEB grade 2 is the default. I have set it to U.S. American grade 2 braille. I think it's officially called the English Braille American Edition. Grade 2, you can either have that contracted or you can have grade 1 English Braille American Edition. Continuing here, code is what I was just talking about. Oh, you can also have computer braille, 8 dot. I wish they had 6 dot computer braille, but that's all you get is 8 dot. Okay, then we have braille again. Cursor indicator. There are different ways you can indicate your cursor and also the selection indicator. Firmness. These dots are quite firm and very easy to read and very clear, but you can adjust the firmness if you like. Then there's a monitor that is used to keep track of what's going on with Braille and such. I think that's more for the sighted person who is looking at it on a display that's attached to this device. I could be wrong about that. Speech. There isn't much I can do with speech right now except adjust the pitch and the speed and all of that. I need to get a better voice because this one is hard for me to understand. Sleep talk. That means that when the machine is turned off and it's asleep, not powered down, but just turned off, that if there's a notification or announcement that comes in, that it speaks it. Volume. That's a volume control. Balance. You can balance between left and right speakers. And here's the rate and the pitch. And then we have developer mode for people who are maintaining and fixing these devices. And that's it, I think. So let me get out of here with space plus Z. Yes, file explorer. Okay, I was going to tell you briefly about the time. You can set the time or you can check an option that lets you determine the time when you connect to your Wi-Fi. And that's what I have it set to do. And I don't know if it's doing it or not, so I'm just going to do a space plus T. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, okay, eight, it's counting five, two, April 16th, 2016, 3.07.46. And I'm watching nine, 50, the Braille change. 51 seconds, 52, 53, 54, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And this changes to 0801. Okay, let's get out. Okay, now I've shown you some of the options and some of the settings, and I've shown you a little bit more about how you get into some of these things. Check boxes are quite interesting with this thing. Instead of having one check box or radio button for on and another one for off, you have one check box. And I don't know if this is true for other types of indicators, but I noticed that if it says off and the box is unchecked, that means that it's off. And the same box can totally change its function if you check the box and it says on. And that kind of threw me for a while because I'm used to seeing in Windows you have a check box for on and another one for off. Or perhaps you have it checked or unchecked. It's just a terminology. It kind of throws you. And... In some of these list boxes and check boxes and radio buttons, they call them choosers. C-H-O-O-S-E-R-S. 
and kind of strange. It's a different way of looking at things. What comes with this device initially, there's a quick start guide in Braille, and there is, of course, the invoice that describes the order and how much you paid for it and all that stuff. That's in print. There's a set of earbuds, and there's a cable which connects to the wall charger, or you can connect it to a PC and charge that way. The quick start guide said there was supposed to be a short cable included, but I never got that one, so I probably wouldn't have used it anyway. The online interface guide is on National Braille Press's website. You can download that. They're updating it quite a bit, and... I think in the past couple of weeks they've had two different updates. It's kind of a user guide, but it's not something that will really teach you how to use a device. The beginning gives you some of the basics, like what the thing is and what it looks like and all of that. But then it goes right into things like Braille codes. And then in the back there are lots and lots of tables that you need to plow through and look at to learn different key combinations and stuff. And there's other information about the different types of screens. There isn't a lot about the basics of Android. And so the manual really, even though it's an interface manual, it focuses on how you use this device. It doesn't focus on how to use Android itself. Fortunately, National Braille Press has put some videos on YouTube. And I have another Braille product that I can link directly to YouTube with that, and download the files. You can also listen to them on your PC or device if you choose to do it that way rather than downloading. I like to play these files, they're MP4 files, in my Victor Stream, and that way I can get a pretty good idea of what's going on and I can follow along. Thus far, as I talk about this, there are six different files that are quite basic. They talk about the home screen, the editor, and there's an example of how to download an application and install it and uninstall it. So I still have a bit to learn, but I'm at least getting there. I don't know a lot about Android. It's a whole different universe for me, and to be honest, I'm much more comfortable using a QWERTY keyboard rather than a Perkins-style keyboard, but I'm making progress with this. So I think with that, I'm going to get out of here, and I thank you for listening to this, and I'm going to power this device down and turn it off because I'm using up battery power while I'm sitting here talking. So I'm going to press space plus the letter P. It says power off. I'm going to press the dome key in the center of the keypad. It says cancel. I'm going to press the right panning button to get to OK. Okay. We're on OK. And I'm going to press the dome key again. It says power off, and it's going to vibrate when the power goes off. And that will be in a few seconds. Right now the Braille display is still alive, and it says power off. Okay, it vibrated, the dots just went away, and the device is turned off. Forgot to mention also that there is a case for this device that comes with it. I'm not using it because I found it really hard to get the device in the case. Also, when I had it in the case, I couldn't get to the volume controls on the side of the device. And some of the other buttons were hidden behind 
some of the leather parts of the case and the openings in the leather case didn't fit the buttons in some ways. They just didn't quite line up and so I'm using an old case for something that has a bit more cushion in it and a bit more protection for the display and that's what I'm using instead. Thank you for listening to this and if you have any questions you might want to contact National Braille Press. nbp.org is where you start and you can go through the headings until you find B, that's a letter capital B, number two capital G and then you can get some more information there. They have a resources page and they have some other stuff. And you can also get the videos there, listen to them. Bye for this time. Hi, everyone. This is Janine Stanley for Main Menu. And today, by listener request, I am going to demo a website and its functionality. And many of you may have heard of throughout the years a website called directionsforme.org. This is run by Horizons for the Blind. They are offering a scanner for sale through Horizons for the Blind that you can use with this website. They say it's optimized for this website. I'm not quite sure what that means, but if you purchase the Fusion barcode scanner from AT Guys or you happen to have one of the Fusion scanners, then this particular website works with this scanner. All you have to do is plug it into the USB port. Now they may have put some settings into the scanner that you don't have to hold down the button or some other things. So I would read the data before buying this scanner. The price is I believe $159 from Horizons for the Blind. AT Guys also sells this scanner. I do believe it's the same scanner and it is a similar price. So. I'll tell you what the scanner looks like here. It, uh, I have it right here because I purchased one a few years back, so this is probably a, a, an earlier version. They may have a later one, but it looks sort of like a little blow dryer. <laughs> I kid you not, it's got a handle. The scanning head is about, I would say, an inch square. That's the blow dryer part. And then it has on the handle a long button that you push in to when you're scanning and their scanner may differ so this is just the one that I happen to have and then above it there's a smaller button that will set other things I believe it may set it to always on always scanning I'm not sure but there's also a little blue LED light there if you have a light detector you can tell it's on or off today we're just going to be using this big kind of oval shaped button that is on the handle about halfway up the handle so the scanner is really easy to hold it is on a cable that's got a pigtail in it, um, like a phone telephone cable, about halfway down the cable, so you can actually stretch it if you need to. Now, when you're using this particular setup, it's not exactly mobile, unless, of course, you're using, say, a Braille note taker, and you have this hooked into your USB port, and you have pulled up the website directionsforme.org, then it certainly could be mobile. This would be a great solution to just have kind of sitting in your kitchen. The Directions For Me website is absolutely free. So you're talking a much less expensive solution than the scanner featured by Envision America. However, it is far less portable. So, you know, each, each has its uh, pluses and minuses. The Directions For Me site, though, is pretty awesome. I have to say, whether you have a scanner or not, if you find a barcode for something and you put it in this website, and you hit the search button, you're going to find all kinds of data on that particular product. 
So let's get to work. The way we start here is we plug the scanner in. This works on Windows and Mac. I'm using it on a MacBook Pro. And when you plug the scanner in, depending on your setup, it may want to recognize it. It may need to install uh, some driver software. It really depends on your computer. On the Windows machines, it generally just plugs in. It's a really easy plug and play. On the Mac, it will try to recognize it as a keyboard. And all you do is just hit the continue button, then you just ignore that, and it works perfectly fine. So just plug it in, it'll work fine. I don't know if it will work on, say, an iPad that you could plug USB things into. I'm not sure. It might. So I have a few items here from the Stanley Pantry. First of all, the Directions for Me website to get you started quickly. You want to look for the edit box, which is going to be for searching. And I'm going to move to it with the form. Search. Search text field. There we are. And I'm going to interact with that. Search. Interact with search text field. And that's what you want to do. You want to be at the point where you can put data into that search box, whether it's through Windows and your forms mode or your browse mode or whatever your screen reader calls it. You want to be able to type text into that box. So I'm going to take my scanner and I have a packet here. And you may remember this packet from a previous demo. So I'm going to push down the button on my scanner and I'm going to just move the packet around in front. 04600028872. Link. Skip to content. Visited. Link. Image. Okay, I'm going to stop that. Now, as you see, the website has changed. And you heard the beep. You heard the data go in there. Now, I'm going to use my heading shortcut here. Heading level one. Old El Paso taco seasoning mix 25% less sodium. Ooh, 25% less sodium, which means my husband will add twice the sodium to it. So now we can move down through this website to see what other information there is about this product. Heading level two. On this page. Now here's a list. Let's look. Link. Marketing description. Link. Other description. Sometimes things have two descriptions on them, the actual marketing information and then a more practical description. So Link. Nutrition facts. Link. Ingredients. The nutrition facts and ingredients are probably the most important things for me when I'm looking at a product like this. And... Link. Distributor. Link. UPC. Link. Package data. Heading level three. Marketing description. Heading level three. Other description. Heading level three. Nutrition facts. Heading level four. Serving size, 5.0 grams. Heading level four. Servings per container, six. Heading level three. Ingredients. And here you see, I'm just moving with my H for heading down through this website and looking at the various things. Now, if I want to look at the ingredients, I'm just going to move through. Maltodextrin, chili pepper, salt, onion powder, cornstarch, garlic powder, spice, contains less than 2% of partially hydrogenated soybean oil, yeast. Heading level three. Distributor. Okay, so there we go. So... That's that package. Let's scan something else. And what I'm going to do is use my control for forms and go to that search box again. Search. Search text field. Interact. Interact with search text field. And now we have a bottle. I got three search. different containers here. So let's take a look. Zero. Link. Skip to content. Visited. Link. Image. Directions for me logo. Okay. Visited. Stop. Link. Uh, 
stop that. Now, when you scan things, it's the same way that you scan them with the ID Mate. You're going to either hold the device still in one hand and move the bottle around in front of it, or vice versa. You can hold the object still and move the scanner around it. But you're going to be really exploring it because these wide scan heads are so much better than, say, your phone camera for finding these things. So let's see what this one is. Heading level one. Heinz 57 sauce steak sauce with Leon Perrins. Okay, Heinz 57 sauce with Leon Perrins Worcestershire sauce. Oh, delicious for dipping French fries in, by the way, guys. Alrighty, here we go. Heading level two. On this page. Heading level three. Directions. Ah, directions. Best if used by date on bottle. That's good to know. Best if used by date on bottle. Heading level three. Marketing description. Heading level three. Other description. Great on steaks. Trusted since 1869. The makers of the original Heinz 57 sauce bring you a new premium sauce just for... Okay, we're going to just shut that off. Heading level three. Nutrition facts. Okay, nutrition facts now. Heading level four. Serving size, 1.0 tablespoons. Heading level four. Servings per container, seven. Heading level three. Ingredients. This is an important one to me. And if you're looking for things like this, I'll show you. Tomato paste, high fructose corn syrup, malt vinegar, distilled white vinegar, lean parents, Worcestershire sauce, vinegar, molasses, high fructose corn syrup, water, anchovies, onions, salt, garlic, tamarind concentrate, clove, natural flavorings, chili pepper extract, salt, raisin concentrate, mustard flour, caramel coloring, soybean oil, turmeric, spices, apple concentrate. Okay, I'm just going to stop that right there. But if you are somebody who is watching out for the calories, high fructose corn syrup is really high in calories. Also, if you need to watch your intake of such things. So our final container here is a round, little round container. I'm going to go back up to my search box. Search. search text field. Interact with search text field. So you see how fast this can go if you're really efficient at it. You, know, search. you can go pretty quickly. So here we go. I happen to have been right at the, the barcode. I was trying to spin it around. So let's see what we have here. Heading level one. Crisco all vegetable shortening. Ooh, Crisco all vegetable shortening. Heading level two. On this page. Heading level three. Directions. EZ open quality seal. For best results, use within one year of opening. For easier blending, do not refrigerate. How to substitute Crisco shortening for butter or margarine. One cup Crisco shortening plus two tablespoons water plus one cup butter or margarine. Okay. So that's some helpful info. Heading level three. Marketing description. Heading level three. Other description. Heading level three. Nutrition facts. Heading level four. Serving size. Heading level four. Servings per container. Heading level three. Ingredients. Soybean oil, fully hydrogenated palm oil, partially hydrogenated palm and soybean oils, monoandiglycerides, TBHQ and citric acid, antioxidant. Okay, we better stop that. That's a little too scary. <laughs> Not only can you scan things into directionsforme.org, but you can also look up things. So let's take a look at the site and see what other kinds of things we have here. Link. Skip to content. Navigation 3 it Visited. Link. Image. Directions for me logo. Visited. Link. Categories. Current. Categories. I'm going to go ahead and take a look. Let's see, because... Not only, as I said, can you scan barcodes, but you can actually look up things here. And you can do that using a search, or you can go through the handy list of categories. Heading level one. Categories. Dim collapsed on. Link. AF. And here they are listed alphabetically. Let's see the AF category. Visited. Link. AF. Link. GL. Link. MR. Link. SZ. Link. Absorbance. DIY. Oh, boy. 
Link. Acne slash rosacea treatments. Link. Adhesive paste slash glue removers. Oh, that might be a good one to check out. Heading level one. Adhesive paste slash glue removers. Dim collapsed on top. Link. Elmer's sticky out adhesive remover. Aha. Now, let's go ahead and hit enter on that one. Press. Link. Skip to content. Heading level one. Elmer's sticky out adhesive remover. Heading level two. On this page. Heading level three. Directions. Oh, most important thing right there. General use. Hard surfaces. Apply to problem area. Let sit 20-30 seconds. Wipe clean with water. Clothing. Apply. Wait one minute. Launder using extra detergent. Repeat as necessary. Do not treat while wearing garment. Not recommended for use on silk, rubber, elastic, suede or other leathers. Carpet and upholstery. Apply to clean cloth. Do not apply liquid So there you go. You've got all the instructions for removing glue and other sticky things. Now, you can look up a product by name, you can look it up by barcode, or you can scan it in. And that's directionsforme.org. Main Menu is a program sponsored by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday, beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern, repeating every four hours until 5 p.m. Eastern, Saturday. You can catch it on the web at acbradio.org slash mainstream or listen using the ACB Link app. You can grab it as a podcast as well and you can even pick up your phone and dial 605-475-8130. If you'd like to send us feedback, email mainmenu at acbradio.org. You can find us on Twitter at mainmenu. We're happy to have a lot of content in the can, so to speak. So will there be a demo of the Capti Reader or maybe something about the Amazon Tap? Hmm, I don't know. You'll have to listen to find out. See you next week, everyone.